Mary's Murrogate, Agus Fodrig, God and Mary, and St. Patrick to you all. And this time, can I give a big welcome to my listeners in Ohio. Oh my goodness, what great good did you do to please God, that he should shower you with so many blessings and give you to each other to uphold and support each other. This is the Meditation and Mental Prayer Podcast. Today's episode is an introduction to mystical prayer and contemplation. After this, at the sound of the bells, we'll have a short meditation on the two thieves crucified with Christ on Calvary. The next step to meditation and mental prayer is mystical prayer and the prayer of contemplation. This is the description we use of what is really the highest form of prayer. And while meditation and mental prayer are the journey toward God, when God answers us and journeys toward us in a way, that's when the prayer becomes mystical and contemplative. So you'll hear people talk about contemplative prayer and everyone sort of thinks of people walking around with their head down, talking to God in their hearts, but it's not quite like that. In mystical prayer, in contemplation, it is God himself, by himself, for himself, unveils, invades and unites with the soul. One of the reasons that Catholics want to meditate is that the outcome of it is that the Trinity sort of cast their gaze across the darkened earth and they see your light shining for them in the darkness. You shine so that stray souls will be guided to Jesus by your light. So let's hurry up. Let's begin to shine. I suppose really we need to realise that all the meditating in the world will not acquire contemplation. All the mental prayer that we can practice will not do it either. Oh yes, it can prepare our souls for this perfect indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But we must become perfect first to prepare the ground of our souls to endure perfect love. St. Teresa of Avila explains that attaining the highest virtue is what is required. This is what Jesus was talking about when he told the parable of the pearl of great price. To sell all that you have means to get rid of all the attachments we have to this earthly life. To get rid of our affection to venial sin and sins of omission in order to be worthy to own this treasure. Now just before my words inflame you to the extent that you begin selling off all your goods, you need to evaluate the likelihood of your getting what you want. If indeed it was a piece of land you were intent on acquiring, what if you could not find the owner to offer him your bid? Or what if on finding him he refused to sell it to you? You might drive by the piece of real estate every day, longing to own it and imagining what you'd do with it if only the owner would let you have it. In the meantime, you swallowed your disappointment, but just in case you began collecting together the building materials for the house you might one day build on the property. Then a few years later, out of the blue, a lawyer gets in touch with you and tells you that the owner of the property has died and he has willed the property to you. When he was making his will, he told the lawyer, he had noticed how often you drove by and seemed to be really appreciative of the place. He had felt the same love for the land as you obviously did and so now he needed it no longer. He was giving it to you, a deserving soul. That's the same with God and contemplation. You and I might ask, offer many prayers, 
behave ourselves really well and even look lovingly at the desired treasure. But until the owner decides to give it to us, well, we just have to wait. God has his own reasons. If he does not offer this gift to us, and more often than not, it is something in us that is stopping the inflow of his great treasures of grace. Now there are dangers on the road ahead. On this journey through virtue, meditation and mental prayer, it is very easy to slip down a wrong road. There are crossroads where we can give up and turn left or right. You yourself can figure out your own meaning to the turns. But more often, it is the gentle fork in the road ahead that entices us to go wrong. The road to the left has a bright light hovering over it at a distance away. Ah, we conclude, this is the way to go. We forget that Lucifer comes as a bright light to blind us to his presence. The other road is full of stones and we guess it might not be so easy to tread as we see a signpost pointing down the road with the words experience, study, discouragement, dark patches. Which one will we take? At this point many souls turn back. Watch for seductions of soaring feelings, gentle voices of flattery. When St Teresa of Avila and St John of the Cross lived their Catholic faith, they tell us that they knew many souls who reached the state of contemplation. At that time, this was a well-known and even well-practiced phenomenon. It is only of recent times that mental prayer and contemplation have hidden themselves away from a proud and distasteful people. I have a book. It's 150 years old. In the book, the priest complains that the nuns in the convent, he was spiritual director too, were not advancing in holiness. He deemed the problem to be that they held on to their favourite static prayers. They did not seek a deeper religious experience. He lamented that the nuns returned week after week with the same faults to confess. He described their vocations as becoming sour. How blessed were these nuns that had a spiritual director that knew the needs of the soul. Today, not only has contemplation all but disappeared, but so also has gone the majority of good priests willing to teach, guard and guide us in this treasure hunt. What are we to do? How are we to proceed? How will we protect ourselves against becoming the next internet prophet, spouting long, long messages from an over-talkative fraudulent spiritual entity? We must die to self in order to be filled with God. That simply means that we must work on our faults using meditation and mental prayer firstly. We must then in friendship speak lovingly to Jesus and ask him to show us the Father's will for us. We must ask constantly the Holy Spirit for the wisdom to know which way to travel each day, each hour. St Anthony Mary Claret, he used to stop at the end of each hour because in those days bells rang at the beginning of each hour and people could people could hear them so he was able to identify the beginning of an hour and he would check back what he had done the previous hour to see had he wasted any time, had he talked enough to God. There are two types of people who should not continue on the road to contemplation. Those who want spiritual highs and believe that all opposition to their faith is from the devil. Those people who want to reach a high degree of spirituality, for instance, if there was such a thing as a doctor of piety, they would apply for it. Are we ready to suffer? Are we ready to refuse to hide from suffering? 
Are we ready to stay standing when everyone else has run away? Are we ready to endure extreme cold without complaint, extreme heat without complaint? Are we ready to follow in the footsteps of Jesus on the road to Calvary? Yes? Then let's go. There's no time to lose. Let's use for our meditation a piece of scripture from Passion Week. Luke chapter 23, beginning at verse 39. And we're talking about the penitent thief. We begin, and one of those robbers who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Neither dost thou fear God, seeing thou art condemned under the same condemnation. And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done no evil. And he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou shalt come into thy kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Amen, I say to thee, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. It would remind you of the final judgment, the good people on one side of Jesus, the retrobates, as they call them, on the other side of Jesus. The good are invited into paradise. We realise how much pain Jesus is in. His pain is excruciating. Poor Jesus, how can we ever recompense the anguish and the torture we have caused him by our sins, both big and small. If we just now consider our venial sins and the sins of omission, do you remember when as a child you fell while outside playing and you skinned the palms of your hands as they scraped along the ground? You'd have to sit for a while amid your tears, picking the grit and the small stones from the congealing blood on your hands or on your knees. On the way to Calvary, when Jesus fell, he hurt himself too on those small stones and grit. Now imagine that those little stones and grit are your small sins. Why not clear them out of the way? Wouldn't it be better if they weren't there to hurt him?